most people know what's going on, um, but it's it's been a blast. Yeah, I've I've said several times it's it's as real as reality TV because uh, basically what we're doing is yeah the the this bad review that no one had even read and we found on the internet and thought was hilarious and and we've just made it into this big deal and uh, but we're I've had like my grandmother call and like be she was like worried that the band was breaking up and and like the intersection of good drinks good music and good times this is hops and spirits bar conversations the calendar has flipped and we're in march i think spring is right around the corner we got a great episode for you this week as we talk with the guys from illiterate light about their new album and a little fun they're having on social media you won't want to miss that chat and for tasting notes we welcome back jake solick with a little throwback to one of our very early early episodes of the podcast as he talks spring cocktails because you know it's that time of year and don't forget to check out all of our social media at hop spirits all one word and go to hopspirits.com so you don't miss anything like our neat mixed reviews where we have a lot of fun and review a whole lot of different pours and maybe I make a fool of myself on occasion. It's hard to say. <laughs> but like I said, we got a great episode for you. Up next is Tasting Notes with Jake Solik. Enjoy. Did you know Hops and Spirits is more than just this podcast? Check out hopspirits.com for our latest episode release, past episodes, interviews with interesting folks in the alcohol industry, and so much more. Just go to hopspirits.com feel free to wait until this podcast is done. Hopefully the weather is warming up for wherever you are and we can think maybe spring. Happy thoughts, you know, getting out of the cold. Uh, so with that said, what, with you know, with spring right around the corner, what can people expect to see maybe on menus across the country in terms of the different flavors and different things like that? What, what kind of signifies spring, so to speak, in the cocktail world? It's a perfect time to be talking about it, actually, as we're slowly thawing from all of the snow that we've had the last two weeks. But you'll see a, a combination of things happen on spring menus. First of all, people start to get away from the boozy, bitter, stirred cocktails. You'll see a lot less Sazerac and old-fashioned style cocktails. You'll start to see a lot more carbonated beverages, a lot more spritz-style drinks hitting the menu. And I think there, you also see menus start to trend away from some of the heavier spirits. You won't see very many smoky scotch cocktails anymore or some of the heavier blackstrap rums, even cast strength bourbon. People will start to veer away from that into lighter spirits. I think this is the, the season when we start to see vodka and gin start to come back on menus. And speaking of some of those recipes, uh, what, what are a couple that, you know, for the spring that maybe we can make at home, you know, kind of that single or maybe two servings, you know, uh, that, that can come together and, and we can pull it off at home with, with some confidence. My go-to spring drink, French 75. Okay. Uh, our French 75 at West Main, the way that we do, it's actually one of our best-selling cocktails, but it's, an, it's a cocktail that's very easy to do at home. Uh, you can demystify the French 75 by just thinking of it as being basically a, a gin lemonade topped up okay. with some okay. sparkling wine is all that it is. So you can start with some simple syrup. Simple syrup is just a, a long-winded way of saying a simple sugar solution. So if you take one part sugar and one part water, you can cook that in a small pan over a stove just for a couple minutes until it dissolves and you've got simple syrup. So you take half an ounce of simple syrup three-quarter ounce of lemon, or if you don't have a measuring cup on hand, that's going to be approximately half of your average-sized lemon that you'd find at a, at a grocery store. And then one shot of gin, which is about one and a half ounces. Just shake that with ice, strain it into you know, an ice-filled Collins glass. Ice-filled Collins glass is going to be the tall, skinny ones. Uh, n nothing like a pint glass. Uh, that'll work, but you'll be tanked after two of these, so you want to go hit smaller glass. Uh, just fill it up with ice and then top it up with a sparkling wine of your choice. You can do something cheap like a Prosecco or a Cava works out fine. Uh, but what you've basically gotten is a gin lemonade topped up with champagne. We think that the French 75, the name itself, comes from the World War I field gun, which was, called, which was a French 75 millimeter gun. So the mm -hmm. idea is that the, the extra champagne or sparkling wine in the cocktail actually hits you with an extra kick like a gun. 
gotcha. That's uh, that's fascinating too, and that sounds exactly like what you would want in spring. Getting a little warmer, uh, you might be able to actually sit outside now and and have these these drinks, you know, in the evening. So I, I love the sound of that, and like you said, it's it's very simple. And that's one thing I always love talking to you is I feel like I can pull these off in my house now. Whether I can or not, that's a totally different story. But I always feel like I can pull it off. Uh, do you maybe have another another type recipe that we might be able to pull off as well? Yeah, yeah, this is this is the season for spritzes as as well. And what both of these recipes have in common is that we're serving them over ice, a lot of ice, because as the weather starts to get warm up, you are sitting outside. Um, you are enjoying drinks a little bit more. You're not trying to warm up so much as, you know, stay hydrated, quench your thirst. And so having that ice gives you a little bit of extra dilution. It keeps you from getting drunk so quickly, and it also keeps you hydrated at the same time. Whereas in the wintertime, we tend to go for the smaller size, booze forward drinks, something like a Manhattan. So in keeping with the French 75, another really easy drink to make at home, uh, we'll just call it the spritz. It's kind of a, a general term that's used all over the world. Italy and France are two countries that really have perfected this. We don't have a, a big spritz culture in the United States yet, but you're starting to see a lot of books on the subject be published, and I think it's starting to be one of those trending style of drinks. But really easy, you can take anything um, even a Collins glass, a goblet, highball. Uh, we like to serve ours in wine glasses. Just go ahead and put a, you know, fill it up with nice ice cubes. Put half an ounce of liqueur. That's, that's as simple as it is. It could be an elderflower liqueur. Uh, it could even be some sort of simple syrup that you have at home that's maybe flavored. Uh, it can be an Amari from, from Italy, something like Aperol or Campari. Just one ounce, two ounces of sparkling wine, and then top it up with however much soda water as you want. I usually just add a one or two ounces, just a splash. But the idea is the combination of the sweet and the carbonation is going to kind of offset each other. And what you get is a really refreshing carbonated drink. Especially if you throw a few pieces of fruit in there, maybe a fresh citrus slice. Absolutely delicious. It's a formula one, two, one um, is how I just teach it to bartenders. You can't go wrong with it. I was gonna say, I mean, that that is about as straightforward as it, as it gets when you when you talk about the formula of making a drink. What's maybe a larger batch cocktail that someone can throw together uh, if they're ha- and hosting some friends over for just a nice evening, uh, you know, or and can have a nice drink and ready ready for them to go. Going back to the same idea of the French seventy five, because I think the French seventy five itself is kind of a, a riff on a much older drink called uh, Tom Collins. Okay. which is okay. the first gin punch. Uh, it was created in the early 1800s. But this is still one of my favorite get-together kind of drinks because it fits a pitcher perfectly. If you got a 40 or 60-ounce iced tea pitcher, this is the drink for that. Just take four ounces of simple syrup, six ounces of lemon juice. That's going to be about four lemons. And then 16 ounces of a nice gin. You don't have to go high on the proof here. Don't skimp on the quality, but get something between 80 and 94 proof. Most London-style gins will be in, in that range. Put those in the pitcher, ice it up, stir it for about a minute. That'll chill all of the ingredients down, but it's also going to add a little bit of water. That's going to dilute it down so the gin doesn't quite have a bite. Fill it back up with ice, and then just top it up with a bottle of sparkling water. And Jake, like I like I always tell you, it's it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, the the recipes you give us are uh, pretty straightforward, uh, but you're making some some really great drinks that uh, I'm pretty sure we can wow people with that make them think that we know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> Good, that makes me happy. <laughs> well, Jake, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at hopspirits.com. Joining us here for our conversation, they're the duo that makes up the Illiterate Light. Please welcome in Jeff Gorman and Jake Cochran. Hey, everybody. It's great howdy, to be howdy. here. Well, I appreciate you all hopping on, and, and Jeff is the singer-guitarist. Jake's the drummer and singer, too, right? I mean, because there's only two of you, so you guys have to do a lot of things, right? Oh, we, we do it all. <laughs> Yeah, we um, we're both multi instrumentalists, but uh, that, those are our main jobs. Jeff's on guitar and and singing, and I'm the drummer, and and I sing a lot of harmony. I like it. I like it. 
Now, you know, since this is called Bar Conversations, and if anyone can see, if they're watching, I, th I think it's not going to be hard to figure out that I think each of you ha has a drink in hand. So what are you guys drinking tonight? On my end, this is Jeff Gorman. I'm the singer and guitarist. I'm, I'm drinking a Guinness here, and I got another one queued up as I work my way down. But I'm also excited because it's Fat Tuesday, and, uh, mm -hmm. and I, I'm going to do a little uh, alcohol uh, fasting, uh, throughout, throughout Lent, uh, which will be pretty fun. So I'm enjoying a few Guinness tonight. Perfect. I am rolling with the Miller high life. Um, and in this stage of my life, Classy. I, I tend to go, um, on the lighter side to, uh, relive my college days, I guess is what I'm, I'm doing. No, I, I think maybe I prefer, uh, water <laughs> with my beer. It's one of those things. Uh, the, the hangovers have gotten a little worse in, in the thirties and I, uh, this helps me pace a little bit and yeah, I can drink them throughout the night and not be too concerned. I, f I feel like Jeff and I spent, I uh, that. we spent many years, uh, particularly playing in breweries. Uh, there was a couple breweries around Harrisonburg, Virginia, where we're from that we would have like weekly gigs and, at that stage of our lives, we were always both going for like whatever IPA had the most hops and the most uh, alcohol percentage. And and uh, I'm pretty happy to just be, be chilling at this point on uh, the lowest alcohol I can get and still have a nice <laughs> chill drink. I like, I, like I said, I'm, I'm right there with y'all. Uh, the the as, as much as I do enjoy those higher percentage, whether it's an IPA or even just a fruited sour or something like that, um, I, I, I've been going back to like the cores and the Miller Lights these these days, and it's just been nice and a little nicer yeah. in yeah. the wallet. Yep, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I, I was like when, when like the you know in Virginia the beer revolution like really ramped up in like you know two thousand eight to two thousand twelve, and it was just like microbreweries exploding everywhere. And they were all wanting to have music, um, which was killer. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I don't know, man, I, I don't really, I don't really go down like the triple IPA lane and, anymore. Um, I think it's, it's, it's not even like the alcohol, like getting me, it's, it's like a taste sort of thing. I'm, I've like really kind of October through April Guinness is pretty much the only thing, uh, that, that I'll drink. I'll sip on some whiskey here and there. Um, but I, I went to the Guinness um, factory. They've only got one in the States. And I went there uh, two weekends ago. It's in Baltimore, Maryland, um, which was really, really cool. So got to drink some fresh Guinness. And they make something called the Baltimore Blonde, uh, which, was, which was killer. Um, but it's been keeping me in touch with my Irish roots, which has also been fun because I'm listening to Bono's audio book right now, his autobiography. And he mentions Guinness all the time throughout it. So I feel like I'm salivating all day for a beer. <laughs> I watched. Um, I was gonna say Banshees. I decided to to go with oh, a little whiskey tonight. That's nice. There you go. A little George Dickel. So. That's oh nice. man, Dickel. Uh, Jeff, I just watched The Banshees of Indusheeran. I think is how you say it. it have you? Have either of y'all heard of that movie? Mm -mm. No, I have not. It's a very interesting movie. Um, it, it the plot line it basically it's like two old friends in Ireland uh, and one of them decides not to be friends with the other one anymore. And there's not a clear reason. And that's what the movie's about. It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense <laughs> like as you talk about it, but there it's, it all kind of centers around this little pub that they go to and they're always drinking what, what looks like some sort of Guinness type Irish beer. And Jeff, I think you'd get a big kick out of that. I'm sure you might, you might as well, Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, it sounds great. I, I like it. Well, and, and that's a good segue because uh, I've been watching y'all on social media lately, and um, uh, you know, it seems like uh, one bad review, and you guys are just done. <laughs> a lot yeah, of we, turmoil. We're having fun with it. It's you know, it's fun. Me and Jake keep cracking up because, like, uh, you know, people people listening to this may or may not know what's going down, and I think we can try to clue you in verbally. But you know, if you want to see really where the action's at, then just head on over to our Instagram reels. But it's so funny because we put a new record out like a, you know, a few weeks ago 
and we've actually gotten some good press and a ton of like fans hitting us. A lot of people, just a lot of really, really good energy and feedback towards the record. But there was this random blog that just trashed it. And we just thought, man, this is the funniest thing. Like, let's just have a heyday <laughs> with it and just like basically create our own reality television show based off of this bad review that we're getting. And so I'm glad, Jonathan, you've been following it because uh, the plot is about to thicken uh, tomorrow, Ooh. which once people listen to this, it'll it'll be a week or two past. But it's about to get pretty, pretty dicey. And uh, it's it's been like the most fun way for me and Jake to promote something um, because, you know, it's like we all follow bands and half the time you just have to sit there and say, I don't know, it's kind of boring at a certain point. Um, we've all seen it a million times. And so we we're like, let's just do something different, something funky. And so we're basically just self-deprecating and creating like fictitious drama with our fan base. And fortunately, most people know what's going on, um, but it's it's been a blast. Yeah, I've, I've said several times it's it's as real as reality TV, because uh, basically what we're doing is, yeah, the, the this bad review that no one had even read and we found on the Internet and thought was hilarious. And and we've just made it into this big deal. And uh, but we're, I've had like my grandmother call and like be she was like worried that the band was breaking up and and like our Jeff and I's taste for sarcasm and dry humor uh i don't know it, it borders on fake news and it's really terrifying honestly <laughs> the number of t like I, basically i as decided to step down as the drummer and become the band president and ceo and uh the number of people that legitimately are have contacted us to try out for the role of drummer was a little a little concerning <laughs> just like we in put, the way we that, put out yeah. a fake yeah we put out a fake call to drummers and said jake's stepping back so go ahead and audition and like and everybody that gets the joke is like just you know rolling with it but then there's been like a significant amount of actual auditions of people just being like hey yeah i saw what you guys are going through don't know how much you tore but here's my drum audition you know and it's like <laughs> full you know fully believing it so yeah, i to be clear, I think those people are mainly hearing about it through like a secondary source. Like somebody's like, oh, like Literary Lights needs a new drummer. And, and then, or they only saw a post about like a drum audition or something. Because the actual posts that we made about here is the like call to action for drummers were just so insane nonsense that I, I basically, anybody that honestly tried to audition, I just sent them that video and then they pretty quickly were like, oh. I, I get it, but man, we were, we're loving it. Now, now you two have been to, together a, a while now. You've been doing this for a while. How did you all meet? And, and, um, you know, how, was there any thought back then of let's make a band and let's do this? Yes and no. Um, there was, we met in 2010. I always have to like remind myself like what it went, what today is, you know, it's here we are in February <laughs> of 2023 and so in 2010, uh, Jake and I met through the music scene in Harrisonburg, Virginia at, at JMU, James Madison University. Um, and we became buddies and, and started playing in bands in the area um, and w went to a Flaming Lips show in 2000, um, uh, later in 2010, and just kind of had our like minds blown and uh started started writing songs together and and you know formed our first band um that band split up uh we were we like music was really the initial connection you know that was like our our thing we're both multi-instrumentalists and so um jake would be on guitar sometimes drums i'd be jumping around between guitar and drums bass um now we're both playing keys here and there on records and jake's playing keys live and we both sing and write. So it's kind of been a little, you know, that, that was our primary connecting point. And then when our, when our first band ended up splitting up, um, we kind of took a little bit of a different path and worked on a farm, an organic farm here in Harrisonburg, Virginia, um, for a few years. Um, and that was a kind of a side passion of ours, um, that ended up, uh, turning into a full-time job for a couple of years. Um, 
we hit a certain point where we, you know, we, we had kind of dreamed up some scenarios where we were like, well, what if we, and you know, again, this is like when you're 22 and 23 and like running a farm, but also like partying at night and stuff like that. We're like, what if we, you know, like farm, uh, like spring, summer and fall. And then we tour in the winter and like, we were like a, we're band or a band, but we're also farmers. And we're just trying to find any way to like bring those two worlds together. Um, and we, we ultimately just felt like that was, you know, not going to be possible. So we stepped away from, um, agriculture and basically, you know, formed Illiterate Light in 2015 with the goal of really just like touring as much as possible and, and traveling and living on the road, which was such a juxtaposition to the previous three years, um, of, of being pretty stationary, um, in Virginia. Uh, but really 2015 was when we formed this version of our, you know, creative friendship together and um, spent four years really grinding it out and writing and recording our own music. Um, and then finally landed a record deal in 2019 and put our first record out um, a, a few months before COVID. Um, and so it was kind of funky timing uh, just as far as, you know, what the, what the world had in stock for us in store. But, um, yeah, so then COVID hit and we've spent, we spent the last few years like, all right, we're going to keep rolling. Like we're, we love what we do and we want to make this thing happen. So we wrote our new record sunburned and, and recorded it in, you know, primarily in Richmond, Virginia, as well as Jake's studio in Nashville and my studio in Harrisonburg. Um, that kind of brings us up to the present moment. So I know I kind of glossed over a lot of things there, but that's like the, the bird's eye view. Yeah. Jonathan, I, I know what Jeff and I were like when we were 20, but what were you up to when you were 20? Well, I, I think we're, we're not far off on, on when we were, <laughs> were doing things. Um, I think I might be a year, year or two older, older than y'all. And, uh, okay. yeah, I was, uh, not, um, I wasn't farming, <laughs> but okay. I, did have a nine to, I did have a nine to five, uh, uh, job at a radio station and then a newspaper. And, uh, th those hours and trying to have fun were, were sometimes a, a little harsh. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> now, now I can't imagine how, you know, going to the farmer's market in the morning and going to the club at night was going to be a bad, bad idea. <laughs> Jeff was the early riser, luckily. So, uh, uh, you know, we would both stay up until two or 3 AM and then Jeff would be up at five harvesting the lettuce for the farmer's market. And a lot of times he would bring it all to the market and set up by like seven, 8 AM. I'd show up around then and roll, through you know one one p.m. and then both of us would be in bed for the rest of the day. So it was a uh, it was a team effort. We 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 had our we, we split our tasks up. That's for sure. But um, the other funny thing this is this doesn't get talked about that much. But the the farm that Jeff and I worked for was because we, when we were at in college at JMU we took a farming internship class, which was just like a one credit like kind of fun class our senior year to, to just get out and, and learn about food and agriculture. And so we were, we were interns for a farmer, this guy, Andrew Schaefer, incredible dude. Uh, he, he taught us a ton, but within, within, you know, that, that school year, we graduated that summer. He was like, Hey, do you guys want to do, do you want to take on more work here and come work out at the farm? I have to get another job. I'm having kids and, and, um, so all of a sudden, Jeff and I have all this responsibility on the farm. And within a few months of that, we have interns ourselves. So like JMU doesn't know that we are now in charge of this farm and we know literally nothing. And uh, all of a sudden we're handed like four interns that show up and, and they're like, yeah, like you're supposed to teach us about farming. And and it was a incredible um, moment in Jeff and I's life of just being like, great we have we know what we know what we're doing uh here's the here's the rules of farming <laughs> i remember when we were under schaefer and uh he would always like you know kind of complain about like the interns and at the farmer's market that's what all of the og like mennonite farmers would do would just be like 
oh man, these JMU interns, we got no hope for the future. You know, this next generation, like they are not hard workers, you know, all that sort of stuff. And like, and like one season, me and Jake are like on the side of that where we're like being talked down to. And like the next season, we're on the same side as all those other farmers be like, man, these JMU interns, they are the <laughs> worst. You know, it's like, it was like so funny, just like rapping with like OG, you know, a- agricultural, like legit farmers were just like the work ethic, like what they don't even know what a hard frost is. It's hilarious. <laughs> like Jeff and I had not even been through one complete season and we're like, pretend like answering questions about farming just from like books that we've read for like jmu students it's it was it was a beautiful moment so yeah, yeah anyways, you guys still do do any farming or i mean when i say farming i mean you have some plants out back things like that do you still try to do anything or have you given up i've planted a ton of stuff throughout covid we my wife and I are on about 0.2 acres in, in, uh, in the city in Harrisonburg. So we don't, when Jake and I were working on at Wildside, we kept cows and chickens. Um, and that was freaking awesome. Just having like actual fresh milk and like being able to turn that into yogurt and then having eggs and all that jazz. It's just with touring, it's impossible to like, you know, really do anything agricultural other than like, okay, plant planting fruit trees, uh, planting nut trees. Like we've got some hazelnut trees that we just planted. Um, and then a bunch of like local Virginia, like fruits and stuff like persimmons and elderberries and, um, things like that. Um, but then, yeah, we just do like just simple, like backyard gardening for greens and herbs and, um, you know, little, little simple things that we can like enjoy. We can a bunch of tomatoes and make salsa every September. Um, so we definitely still have a green thumb, but it's really pretty, pretty chill. I have enough friends that I'm able to really get food from these days, which is nice. No, go for it. Jake. I was what, just what say, you I'm, you I'm, uh, I'm far less. Je- Jeff has kept a beautiful garden, uh, since, since we started. Um, I tried for the first couple of years of, Jeff and I being out on tour and it just, yeah, it, it hurt more to see my failure. And I think I just kind of was like, all right, there'll be a time in my life where I can do this. And I look forward to that, but I have like a, a couple little raised beds out back that I, I throw some seeds in at the beginning of the season and hope for the best. And, um, that's about it. Yeah. I, I, my wife has an incredible, uh, green thumb and, and, but it is more focused on flowers and, and just like um, she, she worked for a, a flower shop for a long time. And so ah. our yard is very beautiful, but it's not, not, a, not highly productive on the vegetable side. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're down. We're pretty much tomatoes. That's we, we can knock tomatoes there out of the go. park and that's, that's about, and when I say we, I mean my wife, it's not me. I, I water, <laughs> I water, I water when I'm told to, but that's, a, that's, that's great. It. Well, they <laughs> legalized, uh, they legalized cannabis in, in Virginia. And so like all my friends are growing, everybody's growing weed around here, man. It's like people grow four plants and you know, and it's like more weed than you could ever freaking imagine. So that's what like all, all my buddies all of a sudden are like hitting me up, like asking about soil and pH levels and stuff. I'm like, dude, I don't know anything about that, man. Like just check your, you know, like get on freaking Reddit, like California weed pickers or something. Um, but yeah, there's a whole thing going on here these days. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. Now right. you guys also enjoy music too, from what I've been told. Like you said, you got a couple <laughs> records out. Where, where does the love of music come from? It started early for me. Um, I'm a drummer initially. I don't really play much drums these days, but I still, I mean, one of the most fun things about like being in the studio together for Jake and I, I feel like is like finding cool like when jake dials in a cool drum sound you know it's just like we just i i feel like we both want to like build everything off of that drums like anybody in the studio knows like drums are just the most fun thing to track you know it's just like it's just like it's always the foundation of the track but it's also just i don't know get the coolest sounds and i love being in the studio like dude dude no we need the kick be more like just like stuff like that so 
we're we both are very much um drum centric um but i i started um writing songs um in high school and i really fell in love with that side of things um on on the writing side and i grew up going to rock and roll shows because um, my uncle is the drummer for the black crows so he he's been he was a founding member um and it was you know i was born right around the the when their first record came out um so i you know i have some really formative years and formative memories um seeing those shows um but for me in high school was when it kind of switched and i i just started spending time alone in my basement with a little four track tape recorder um just writing little you know little songs um and and it just kind of went from there i mean really from my earliest days, I was always just like music is, um, I mean, if, if, when my mind just turns off and I'm like not thinking about anything or working on a project or anything, it's just like just songs and, and, you know, like little melodies that pop out and little guitar hooks. And so it's really just ever since I was a kid, I was like, that's what I want to do with my life. And in some capacity is, is be able to write and create music. And it's, it's morphed over, um, throughout my adult life to, to what I love the most about what we do. Um, I really love performing now and that wasn't always the case. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit of, you know, kind of my history and, and where I come from. Yeah, I, I started young as well. Um, I'm the son of two artists, but primarily visual artists, but my, my dad is, quite an accomplished pianist and guitar player and um but yeah just a very creative household um and then i yeah i started taking drum lessons or i guess i started in percussion in elementary school and then i was excited about that and we i think my dad bought us a drum set and my older brother started playing bass and it was more for me it was i, I certainly loved music like listening to music from a young age but a lot of my early music education came from jamming with my older brother and my cousin um, and like not, not even knowing enough music to know what I was supposed to be doing, but just like wanting so badly to fit in and impress them that like that became everything for me. Uh, I remember watching like my cousin Joseph sit down and play drums and how hard he hit the snare. And it was just like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. And so I was like, I got to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. It's similar to Jeff. It's like, it's family. It's, it's in a very different way, but um, my, my family, that was how I connected with them. And so that, that has stayed really close to me. Um, and then, yeah, all through high school, I, I started on drums, but I really figured out that I loved songwriting and I loved singing and performing and um wanted to figure out how to do that so i started to teach myself guitar and i taught myself how to record um just to get those ideas out and that's kind of in college when jeff and i met you know living in a dorm room um you don't really have an easy way to record or you know we i think i had an acoustic guitar or maybe an electric guitar and a little amp or something and so it was just like the two of us found each other and, and we're, we had so much energy towards creating and songwriting and, and um, right off the bat, it was just like, I think we fed each other's uh, kind of need for that. Like, yeah, I don't know that, that family love of music. Um, and that uh, Jeff and I have felt, or I have felt like that with Jeff for a long time now, there's some sort of deeper connection than just like, Oh, he's my bro. He's, he, we do we do stuff. It's like, all right, cool. We we go we go pretty hard when we go. Yeah. Well, and I, I was we're... gonna say, I mean, you two ended up being a two piece band. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody else sucks. Is what it is. <laughs> we're so fortunate. This is gonna sound like, you know, <laughs> funny, but it's like, uh, because I don't really feel like you know, like I, I was, I'm like a baby boomer or something like that, but. I feel super fortunate to have been able to grow up for like the formative years of my creative um, life uh, or my, as my mind was still developing to grow up without a cell phone 
because I remember going to like in, in high school in 2005, um, I remember getting on this like tabs website and I found somebody that had tabbed out the entire like Californication album by Red Hot Chili Peppers, as well as Stadium Arcadium. And they were both like 50 page like packs packets. And I just went to like the high school library and just like started printing off like full albums of tabs which were so great because you didn't have to know anything about music to be able to read tabs. Like they're just like little numbers on a fretboard. And it's like, man, this is great. Um, and I did that with like Californication and all the Chili Peppers records. And then randomly I found somebody that had um, made a similar packet with every single Mitch Hedberg joke. Um, <laughs> and I printed that off too. And I would sit in high school in the back of my class, like the class I hated, and I just read one-liners and be like crying to myself, like just picture. And I didn't even really know what he sounded like. Like I just like, you know, like YouTube probably wasn't even invented yet. But anyways, like it was great because I would go home, and um, and like you know, like I said, like we didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a personal computer. We'd like a crappy family computer, and it was like there was no. Th- I would spend five hours just like trying to figure out how to play, you know, slow cheetah by, by red hot chili peppers, <laughs> you know, just like, <laughs> I know for real. And, and like, I was never even, my mind never went to like being bored with that. It was so much fun. And, and, uh, so I, I don't know. I, I know music is going to, people are going to keep making music and do their thing, but it's a different, I know that our minds are wired differently now. I enjoyed that time in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. You, you, you might have dated yourself a little bit with Mitch Hedberg, who's a great <laughs> comedian who gone too too soon. But my goodness, that, that is awesome. <laughs> I love him, man. He's so funny. Now, now you, you guys do, do have a new album out. Like you said, I think it came out like, uh, back in January called Sunburned. Uh, can you talk a little bit about it and how it came together? Because I, I think you guys did a lot of it over over COVID. Is that right? We did. Yeah, it was very much written th- throughout the pandemic. Um, but yeah, it was it was a record that we we wrote from. Really, I feel like things started picking up for us in June of 2020. The first three months of the pandemic were like they were what they were. You know, we don't all really need, really need to rehash that too too extensively um we didn't really know it was going to go down and then by june we like started getting together and throwing around song ideas and um yeah we spent about a year like because because we're in two different cities we spent a year going back and forth to each other's either homes or getting together in like different places um jake's family has a cabin in in uh in virginia central virginia on a lake called lake louisa and we've like written there you know, a million times over the last 10 or 13 years. So we just found these little writing retreats and, and started Dropboxing things. And, I, you know, we're not really like, we don't really zoom or FaceTime with each other. Like, I remember we did that like once we like got off it and it was like, literally like I saw a FaceTime coming from Jake. I was like, what the fuck do you want? Like, it was like, <laughs> but like, if you had, if we had called each other, it's like, what's up, dude, what's going on, man? Like we'll sit there and talk for like an hour and a half, but it was just like, what um, on earth are you doing? I kind of still feel that way with FaceTime. I don't really answer those too much, but anyways, um, like everything's just like basically on FaceTime right now. I know, <laughs> but this was, this was scheduled. This was planned out. And we're drinking. And this is fun. He's having drinks and talking music. He's, He's having, having fun. <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, yeah, we were like, you know, we were just sending tunes back and forth. Um, we wrote. We were both, you know, big fans of Rick Rubin. He's got a million interviews out there where he talks a lot about working with, um, you know, artists like System of Down, who's like one of Jake and I's. Like, we just love them, and uh, he talks a lot about like getting artists to overwrite for records uh meaning like write write like 25 30 songs for the album even if they're not all 100 percent finished but like pursue those ideas and and we really tried to like that kind of naturally happened for this record there was a lot of a lot of writing a lot of riffs and things that like 
I think we both at certain moments were like, dude, this song is amazing. Like, this is it, you know? And ultimately after the, over the course of like a year, um, we just kind of kept whittling things down and um, finding the songs that wanted to live together and felt like they came from the same voice. That was a, a big part of this record for us was, was figuring out like the, the overall tone um, because there was these other great songs that like just didn't make it and we'll find another home for them down the road. But you know, we have the song like don't settle down. And I just like the second we wrote, it, I was like, this is amazing. This is so cool. And like the recording was awesome. And, but it was like almost a little bit more of like a, even like a protest type of rocker song. And it just didn't really feel like the same. It wasn't coming from the same emotional place. And, you know, Jake had a, tune called always always that we recorded and it was like this is great you know and this is like really rad and then we sat back and looked at everything and we're like you just have to start making those like hard cuts if you want to serve the greater um if you want to serve the record so you know luckily those songs don't go away and you can always find another home for them um but yeah we wrote a lot for it um a lot of the songs kind of feel like more like uh intimate sort of journal entries and it's it's definitely a heavier and darker album for us um and i think we're really digging that i mean as we've been playing it live we played in charlottesville virginia uh for the album release and just like man singing some of these songs to eight or nine hundred people and and like seeing them just like ready to really rock out and go to the depths with us has been has been great um yeah that's kind of like my like take on it but what do you think jake that sounds good to me i mean it's to me the record is a really cool progression for our sound as a band it, it feels um it feels closer to my heart in that the darker heavier stuff is what i grew up listening to and so it's 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 exciting in that I can picture myself at 15, just being like, this is my new favorite album. And uh, I'm really proud of it in that sense and, and want to share it, want to show my friends, want to get it out there for the world to hear because it's, it, it means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pumped on it. I think the, the, we, we worked with a producer, and a good friend, Adrian Olson, who is now out in LA. He was in Richmond, Virginia, um, his whole life up until just last year. And um, he's been a longtime collaborator. Uh, he, he, he recorded our first album and, and co-produced that. And um, But we came to him, particularly on this album, just in knowing that Jeff and I had overwritten and we had so many songs and, and we really wanted somebody that we loved and trusted to, to come in as, as, I mean, maybe not like a third bandmate, but somebody that we fully gave creative control. Like, like, Hey, you, you have real input here. You can play stuff on the record. If you want to, you can cut stuff, you, you know, like on the first album, Jeff and I were a little more in control, a little more protective on that. And I think we were ready to uh, just have that, that third person to kind of bounce ideas off of. And uh, he did some really awesome stuff to shape the sound of the album. And, and, um, and, and then he also, he brought in his, uh, his partner, Alex, who uh, worked a lot with Jeff on the vocals. She kind of did vocal production. And then we brought another friend, Danny Gibney from Harrisonburg uh, to kind of engineer and play. He played bass on a lot of it. And, so for the first time, even though we're a duo, we had a team of five people um, and we really got to, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, feel that group energy. And uh, Jeff and I have a very specific way that we interact when we play. And, and some of the beauty of the duo is like, all it takes is one of us to move to slightly, like a little change here and the other person picks up on it immediately. There, there's the, the, the communication is instantaneous in that sense. Um, but there is something really cool about having a bigger group where, uh, yeah, the, because of the more 
minds, you know, thinking together, uh, things just come out differently. And um, I was really proud of that, really proud of the kind of the team effort that it was there. So that was that was an exciting part to me as far as the recording process went. Well, and it's definitely got a different kind of tone than, than your, your debut album that was released back in 2019. But it, also a lot's happened in y'all, y'all's life since then with, you know, record deals. Uh, you know, I know, Jeff, you, you lost your father while working on this album and so forth. So I'm guessing all that also plays a huge part as life changes and things changes and fun business things happen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of like, yeah, I, I don't really think that, you know, we're, we're, we're just not the band that sits down and sets out to like, we want to write great tunes and we want to be authentic to ourselves and do our thing, but we just don't really sit down to be like, let me crank out the next pop radio hit, you know? And there's plenty of people that do do that and they're really good at that. And that's not really like our, our strength. Um, and so when COVID hit, and the label that we were with at the time like needed the hit singles it was just kind of like dude my dad is dying like the world is falling apart like we are like not making any money like <laughs> we're not together like this is like not the record for you guys and we're like not really gonna like even try to make that record that y'all want because like all we know how to do is what we love and what we want to do so when people listen to Sunburn, I mean, it's the exact album that we wanted to make. Um, you know, we, we didn't have to, yeah, compromise in any way. Um, not to just sound too much like a purist, but um, that was the case for this record. Um, and yeah, you know, it's like, and I, I feel like we're even doubling down on that even more these days. Um, I just watched a really cool interview with... Uh, Neil Young and um, the one of the dudes, the dude that does all the Apple music interviews, I can't remember his name, but, um, and uh, Neil was just talking about, you know, he's like my dude, like I love his music and I love his just energy and everything. He was just talking about how much he just, he was like, I just don't care what my fans think, not in a way that is off putting to them, but he's like, I just don't care. Like, because what they like is when I do my thing and I don't care what anybody else wants. And I just want to live in that. And I was like, I mean, he often just gives words to things that I feel as an artist. And I was just like, that is exactly it. Like, and so me and Jake are like, I mean, next week we're cutting like a new EP and working towards a new record, like recording here in, in Virginia. And it's just like everything that we're working on right now. I'm like, this is rat and this is us. And this is us saying, we just want to do something different. And I don't know where it's going to live. Like, I don't know if it's going on the radio or a Spotify playlist or anything like that. It's just about the fact that we love it and we're gaining enough fans out there that people dig just who we are and, and what we do. Um, and I, I don't feel cocky saying that. I'm just like, that's cool. You know, they just want to see what we create just doing our thing, not, not playing the game. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I think that we, we kind of started a lot of that on our first record and doubled down on it and sunburned and on sunburned. And now we're just like off on our own, you know, just like blazing a, trying to just blaze a new trail for ourselves. Um, but yeah, this, the songs are just like, they, they are, they are, what they are i i like writing about what's going on in my life and i like writing about things that are intense and impactful and and uh you know like when there's moments of joy and there's party songs like they'll be what they are but a lot of my days right now are filled with you know processing that pain and what we're coming to find is so many people want to process that and have music and songs about that as well and so it's been it's been great um, I, I've just been really thankful that like humanity, there's like people out there that want art that feels really heartfelt and really authentic and raw and vulnerable. Cause that's the type of music we're trying to make. Anything you want to add on that, Jake? No, 
<laughs> How many of those highlights do you have before this conversation? <laughs> about eighteen, man. About eighteen. I'm in the studio. He, he's been studio. working hard in the in the studio uh, in the studio. No, I, I'm, I'm joking. I'm, I said I'm, 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 I said my bit ahead of time. Um, I'm, uh, but I am. I'm a little sauced. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't have dinner yet, so <laughs> two beers. And I'm a I'm a yep. uh, disaster. Well, that's a good thing. Well, we'll, 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 I've got <laughs> I got one more question for you guys because obviously you got the new record out. You you're even you mentioned you're working on some new music, but I'm guessing 2023 though has some more in the store. Whether that's uh, live dates, things like that. So what can folks expect the rest of the year? We we announced a ton of shows. Um, we're doing a doubleheader in Philly in late March uh, at a killer club there called Johnny Brenda's with our good friends Mo Lauda, and. Uh, that second night sold out. The first night's about to sell out. And then from there, we hit the road with those guys for, they're like friends of ours. Um, and we, we just love their music. Their new record is really, really killer. And um, yeah, we're excited to team up with them and hit the road. So we're going, we're doing a bunch of Midwestern dates. We'll be in Lexington, like I mentioned in early May and, you know, everywhere from Omaha, Nebraska to Denver and Chicago and Madison, Wisconsin, and a few weeks with them. And then we're squaring away all the festivals and stuff like that. We'll be hitting the road like super heavily in the fall and summer will be a lot of like weekends in and out sort of stuff. Um, but we, we did like a three month Mamma Jamma tour um, back in September through December. So here we are in February. It feels like it was years ago, but truthfully it was like 45 days ago we were on the road, you know, so we're taking a little bit of a minute right now to, keep working on this new record and, 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 you know, cook up some new recordings. Um, uh, but we'll definitely be touring this year. And, uh, yeah, I, I can't say too much before, you know, it's announced, but yeah, just keep an eye out on the, on the socials, definitely still working on our reality television show too. So if you can't see us live, then you can at least watch our shenanigans on social media. And, and Jake, are you going to be able to keep the drummer spot? You know, I, I am. Um, knowing that this will come out after the season finale, um, I have I have reclaimed the throne as drummer and um, somewhat violently, but that's just how it had to go down. Um, and yeah, I think the this is just the beginning of uh, the the social media. Um, I guess Jeff and I's new approach to social media. So the, we're going to keep turning it up until we burn it down. And that's all I got to say. I like it. The creative mind never stops. Does it? <laughs> right. It, it's that. exhausting. <laughs> well, well, Jeff, Jake, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for talking about your new record, sunburned, illiterate light and having some drinks with me. Absolutely, Thanks, man. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.